try not to move. <laughs> Hi. Hello. We're back again. Surprise. Yeah. We decided to split up our last episode, so here you go. Did we blab too much? Yeah, the last one was, I think, almost two and a half hours. So, much too long for a single episode. Yeah. But hey, if you guys like it that way, we could always record long episodes and split them. Yeah, that way we, we can, can always do, do that. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I hope you all enjoy the second part of our last episode and the surprise extra recording for the month. Yeah. So, on to the Butterbox Babies. I am both excited and terrified. My brother asked me before, like, oh, what are you talking about today for the thing? And I said, oh, the Butterbox Baby. He's like, what the fuck is that? It sounds like a candy. It, it's not like a sugar baby to start off. So what got me to this topic, because originally I was going to do a I'm my own serial killer, because I was looking into something else. And then when you started talking about doing a serial killer, and I was finding a lot of information on this one that I was just like, I don't have time or the mental capacity to get all this research for this dude in one day because I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> I was just like, I'll find a new topic. I don't know what to do. And I put Amazon Prime on just to like when I was going to bed the other night to find a movie. And I came up, uh, came off, came up on one of the recommendeds because Prime likes to think that the only thing I watch are horror movies and crime documentaries. Is it is it wrong, though? It is because I was <laughs> I, I was trying to find American Horror Story because I was just like, well, I'm going to give this new season a try. I watched a few episodes the, yesterday and I went to go continue it and I could not find it. Uh-oh. It was not in my continue watching. It was not in anything. It was not in recommended. And I was like, what the heck? It's like, like nah, I was literally watching enough. it. And I was like, what? So it brought me anyway. It brought me to the recommendations and it showed me um, Butterbox Babies, which was a movie. And, of course, in the bio, it says based on a real life thing. And I was just like, oh, really? I don't believe that half the time because so many movies nowadays are, like, inspired by real life based on a true life story. And they're not. Right. They're just, like, using it as a wow factor to get people drawn in. Right. So, um, anyway, so I look, I was just like, you know, before I go to bed, let me Google to see if it's actual thing. And it is. So I was like, I'm going to look into this. And I think this is going to be my topic for the week. Maybe because I'm not a child person and I don't have kids. I don't want kids. I feel like baby-related topics don't hit me as hard as, like, people who have babies and they're, like, cringe over the fact that things are happening to babies. And I'm just like, here's some gory things. Or this one's actually not even gory, but, like, here's some things and I'm unfazed. Right. I used to be the same way until I had Evie and now... Yeah. Like, even the... The opening couple episodes for the Game of Thrones series, House of Dragons. Spoilers, by the way. Mm-hmm. It, it it was rough. I, I had to look away for a few of those scenes just because I, I had, watched it. So. There's um, <clears throat> there's a couple of scenes with murder. No, uh, childbirth and complications during childbirth and being ah. forced to make the decision of. Do I save my wife or save my child? Yeah, yeah. And then the... And they did that in uh, Bridgerton in um, the second season. Yeah. For me, or, it was uh, the I... visceral reaction when the wife figured out that they were going to save the child and not her. Oh, shit. Yeah. Normally, it's the other way around. Yeah, no. He, he had a weird, like, power trip thing where he was so desperate for his son, he chose the life of his child over his wife. And it ended was it up, a son? It ended up being a girl. Ha! Karma, bitch. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I Googled it, found out it was a thing, so I looked into it. Okay. So I did not watch, well, I don't want to say I didn't watch the movie. I put the movie on, and then I proceeded to fall asleep. Okay. So you subconsciously watched so the movie. I, I didn't actually watch the movie, so I had no idea. I have no idea what the movie's about, so I'm not going to talk about the movie too much. But okay. there is a movie out there, so if someone wants to hear about it, it's uh, more on the horror side of things. So it's based on a true story, but it's obviously it's not a documentary type movie. 
It's uh, more on the ghosty side of things. Okay. So, from what I got from the few snippets when I uh, opened my eyes mm-hmm. and realized there was a movie still playing, and I was like, okay, bedtime again. I went online and I found an article from the Canadian Children's Right Council which talked about the dark episodes of Canada's history. So that was basically one of my main sources for this. And what Butterbox Babies were, I don't want to say defined as, but like when you look up Butterbox Baby and what they are, this is like the brief synopsis of what they are. Okay. So they were infants who were sick, deformed, disabled, or of mixed race who were fed molasses and water until they starved to death. The reason they got the name Butterbox Babies was due to the fact that the children were born in, born? They were buried in open graves or in a butter box from a local La Have Dairy. That's horrifying. But that, that's basically all the, that's as detailed as I get about the babies, really. Okay. Like, it doesn't go into detail of, like, anything else. It's basically just, like, that is what they did to the babies and they were buried. No one, like, they weren't strangling or they weren't, like... Yeah, they weren't mistreating, well... Gutting them or, like, anything crazy. They weren't... They were starved, but they weren't, like, abused in a way that, like, they it was, like, gory. So the article from the Canadian Children's Right Council talked about the survivors more than the actual murders. It gives a bit on the hundreds of babies that the ideal maternity home which was an illegally run home for unwed mothers in the rural East Canadian province of Nova Scotia. Uh, Many of the babies born in the home were sold on the black market to couples in New York and New Jersey, USA in the 1930s and 40s. Couples would be able to choose from rows of babies and pay $10,000 for the baby. The article basically compared this to couples coming and shopping as if they were picking out produce from bins at a shop right not a shop right a supermarket right. shop right is our store my bad <laughs> any supermarket twins most of the time were separated or they were matched to parents who probably had no idea what was going on uh wait uh they were matched to parents and the people who were selling them had no idea what was going on in those homes so like there was no background checks no verification that these people were actually like decent human beings of course just taking these babies it was basically like here's ten thousand dollars oh here's a baby so the article talked mainly about aline 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 elaine or eileen maybe i-l-e-n probably eileen eileen schufer steinharder who was adopted and at the time of the article it said she was 52 living as a social worker in union township in new jersey usa it talked about how she was actually given a book by her adopted parents called The Chosen Baby, which then explained to her, obviously explained more into why she didn't look like her parents. Because I think uh, it described, I forget if it described her with like blonde hair, blue eyes, and her parents had like dark hair, dark eyes, or was vice versa. Okay. She didn't match her family. Yeah, so I assume she knew she was adopted, but probably didn't know like more details on the adoption process. But it, the book basically, like, showed her, like, she was one of the lucky ones, and that's why the book was called The Chosen Baby, because that's the way they looked at it for all these kids that actually did make it to a home. Now, is she also fed molasses and waiting for her to die? No, no, no. So, the babies that were mol- fed molasses and water were the ones they wanted to kill. Okay, so they, they were the unadoptable babies. They were the ones that were born sick. They were the ones that were born deformed or disabled. They were the... Uh, they're very racist. The people who did this, they, they didn't like kids that were mixed race. Because got to keep in mind, these were a lot of mothers who uh, either came from bad homes. They were unwed, maybe affairs, okay, possible rape cases. Like they were just women who were in bad situations at the time and would come to this home, give birth to a baby, and either willingly gave up this baby for adoption or unwillingly gave the baby up for adoption. And these people made the choice of, is this baby worth $10,000? Because if the baby wasn't going to get them the money, they were like... So more similar to like a puppy mill. Mm-hmm. Basically, if it wasn't profitable, they would... Uh... Yes. Gotcha. Okay. They didn't offer discount babies. Mm. But, um... <laughs> I'm sorry. That makes you No, it, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it did uh, teach her a bit. So, uh, gotta also keep in mind these babies, because they were adopted 
they went through illegal adoptions overseas. They had a lot of um, immigration paperwork and all that stuff that had to be done because okay. they weren't actually American citizens. Gotcha. Because at this time, there were no laws to like control that stuff. Hmm. The book in question was called The Butterbox Babies by Betty Cahill. It was written and published in 1992. So I'm thinking uh, around that time is when the woman from the article was 52. Because I honestly don't know how old she is now. But given the time frame of when this happened, the 30s and 40s, I guarantee she is not 52 right now. The child has been released. I I can tell. Hi. Cahill had talked about the history of the maternity home in Nova Scotia that operated from 1928 until 1947. It was run by William Peach Young, who was a chiropractor and unordained minister of the Seven-Day Adventist Church. And his wife, Lila Gladys Young, who was a midwife who advertised herself as an optician. So this couple basically ran the place. He was the director and she was the whatever the next like higher management is. Okay. Um, The home originally opened as the Life and Health Sanitarium in the late 1920s before it was renamed as the Ideal Maternity Home or IMH, which I will refer to it as IMH a few times in my notes. So if I say that. Remember, that is ideal maternity home. Gotcha. It was an unlicensed maternity home, which promised both married couples and unmarried women privacy. It offered a private birthing and placement for the children of the unwed mothers, and mothers were charged $500 for the maternity services. But the home was all... Are you making fun of me, child? No, 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 <laughs> I just see no, her go, ma, 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 ma. No? <laughs> No, I think you're making fun of me. It offered private birthing placement for the children of the unwed mothers, and the mothers were charged $500 for maternity services. But the home also sold the babies for $10,000, as I previously did mention. About 80 to 126 babies were home from the maternity ward. Uh, it is even It even earned the title at the time as Eastern Canada's largest maternity home between 800 and 1500 babies were born in that home though between 1980 uh, 1928 to 1946 which I should uh, preference um, when I say the home I mean their operation because they did change houses two times so they had three different buildings technically lovely so many houses of horrors yeah but uh, there was a big difference between the 80 to 126 babies that were confirmed to have found homes to the 800 and to 1500 that were born. So I don't know if that means all, I don't even freaking know, numbers 700 to who knows how many were killed or if a lot of them were just undocumented. I can't imagine they wrote down, hey, this one's good. This one goes to the left. Well, that was the thing. A lot of this was done on the black market. Right. And it was very hard to trace things in the black market. So it was. Uh, it started in 1934 when Nova Scotia Department of Public Welfare began to collect evidence against the Youngs um, that they, though they would had to go without the help from the public as the Young's home at this time had many admirers and supporters and the support of well-known citizens of Nova Scotia. At the time, local businessmen, well-known families, and politicians were um, very dependent on their services. It's fucking awful. Not, uh, not to throw a conspiracy in there, but I think I know why they had the support of so many high-profit or high-profile pro- high people. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? There may have been a few mistress babies in there. But anyway. So, at the time in the 30s, they lacked... Uh, the Nova Scotia Department of Public Welfare lacked what they needed to shut down IMH. It was only a part of the bigger picture of failures, though, as there was a lack of social policy or poor relief in adoption law at the time. It wasn't until 1935 that problems started for IMH, and in 1935 they were charged with fraud as they continued to charge mothers for child care even when their child in question had died. Jeez. So they, a lot of the women would go in there 
give birth uh, if they chose to give up their baby for adoption until they were adopted, like they were paying a fee for the child care until the child was adopted. And they were still charging women, even though they were starving their kids. Oh, God. Yeah. So these women, no idea what was happening to the, the baby. They kind of just like some of them, a lot of them actually did not care. Like a lot of them would have the baby and then just, well, going back to my normal life now. Right. But of the ones that actually did care, because there was also a little bit of talk of the youngs would coerce young mothers, most likely the single ones who probably didn't really have much of a support system outside of the home to give up their babies for adoption, even though the mother probably did want the child. They just didn't have the means to take care of a child. Mm. So thinking that they're doing better for the child, they would give it up for adoption. Right. Uh, But yeah, so they were sued for fraud at that time. Then there was a little incident. 1936, they were charged again with manslaughter of a baby and a mother. They were later acquitted, though. This is all brief. I'm going to go in a little bit more detail with stuff. I'm just going off of what I found in this one article. Oh, good. Uh, 1942, there was an inquest, which I found out was an inquiry relating to the death of someone Hmm. that was relating to an adoption that came from the IMH. So I'm guessing one of the babies that was adopted out, uh, this must have been one on the books that they could even trace it back to the home because I assume the black market, there wasn't really any tracing back. Right. So something was wrong with this child and I guess later died, but who, I don't, I couldn't find anything that said how the child died. So I don't know if this was just like from a poor birthing environment or if this was like a case of SIDS, but they at the time assumed it was because of like how it was born. Okay. So I don't know. I, I personally don't know how much knowledge they had about SIDS back in the 30s and 40s. Uh, I don't think much. I, that's what I think. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of kids, they didn't really know what SIDS was. I mean, SIDS is still kind of like a mystery. Oh, yeah. No, I know it is. But like, I I think there was a time period where mothers were accused of killing their kids Mm -hmm. when their kids just died of SIDS. But they were like, well, why else would your baby die? Right. Unless you did something. And it's like, well, because there's this shitty disease that exists. Well, and I think we I think we might have talked about it before there was but there was very, very briefly the mother that um, had the issue with her kid being allergic to something and when she took it to the wrong hospital they thought that she was giving her kid antifreeze but oh geez it ended up being that her child had died from an allergy that was very uncommon and was very similar Mm -hmm. in the chemical signature to antifreeze so that's crazy they accused her of killing her kid they then took away her next kid because it had the same fucking issue and uh, finally, with, I think, her second kid, they were able to save him because they took him to a hospital, yeah. got him tested properly, and actually paid attention to the test results rather than just gleaning over them very quickly. And yeah. they released her from prison because they were like, oh, you didn't actually try to kill your kid. Um, My bad. Turns out they're just fucking allergic to something. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's crazy. There's so many crazy things in history going about stuff like that. I don't even know if that one's um, even that old. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know if we actually talked about that on the podcast or if that was just like a random ass conversation we had. It might. I can't remember. It might. Know, have just I been think a, a common. I think that was probably around. I think we talked about like the Chimera baby. Yeah. Around the same time. And, uh, or the chimera mom, I should say, because really she was the chimera, not the baby. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that ever made it to the podcast. I think I, one day I may do that as a topic. Okay. I gotta see if I can find that documentary again and rewatch it, because it had a lot of good information in it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in 1946, the government failed to prosecute the Youngs for having overreached their questionable medical qualifications. The Youngs were convicted of seven violations for the Maternity Board Housing Act. Uh, They then renamed their home Battle Creek of Nova Scotia Rest Haven Park, but their business continued uh, 
but as their business continued even through all the court dates. In 1946, Montreal Standard newspaper published an article, Traders in Fear, Baby Farm Rackets Still Lures Girls uh, Who Are Too Afraid of Social Agencies. The author Mavis Gallant wrote how the young girls were exploited and bullied by the youngs to put their children up for adoption. Their medical care was questionable and how the youngs were trafficking babies internationally. The Youngs had unsuccessfully sued for defamation. And this trial is where it was revealed that the dead infants were then buried in butter boxes. Gotcha. So that's like a basic like overview synopsis of everything. So I try I was looking at other articles to see if there was more details on things. There was a bit here and there. So I was on a few articles. I had briefly gone over the situation a whole, so when I dug deeper, the young couple, I found out, were known as a religiously ambitious couple. In 1928, at 29, Lila Young had recently graduated from a national school of obstetrics and midwifery. I may have pronounced those words so wrong, but whatever. Her husband, William, was 30 at the time, and he had decided to open the Life and Health Sanitarium. They barely had enough money to supply cots for this home for the people that they considered patients. In this small cottage in East Chester, Nova Scotia, uh, Lila used her midwifery training and within a year they were known as baby barons for East Chester. Within 15 years, they had expanded from their four-bedroom home to a nine-bedroom home with three baths to a 54-bedroom house that could house up to 70 babies in the nursery oh, so shit. they went from little shack bigger place big place damn i can't even get one house i know <laughs> well this was also back when houses were a lot cheaper mm. like if i don't even know how much these houses were worth but like if we went through inflation i guarantee they would never have been able to afford these houses even charging a ten thousand bucks per kid karen balcom a former doctoral candidate at the history department for Rutgers university was looking into the study of the baby selling trade or baby trafficking uh, between the United States and Canada saying the youngs were able to operate for years unimpeded by the laws because at the time there were no laws governing the adoptions to prevent them from exploiting women, children, and the system. The couple would promise mothers privacy and discretion. They had conditions set where the expecting would arrive payments were required upon arrival and between 100 and 500 dollars were charged to the women for room and board delivery and the adoption of the baby an additional 12 dollars was charged for lay it lay it which i googled what the heck that was because like what is a lay it that is the first clothing for the baby so they at least supplied clothes to the babies when they were born and then there was a two dollar per week fee for babysitting which was off only, which was offered in their earlier days. Um, so that's probably where then it comes to like, okay, the baby was born. They're charging $2 per week for these uh, babies to be at the home. So like when these moms leave, they're still paying $2 per week for the kid to live there. And who knows how long the kid even lived there. Right. They would be given a chance to work off their debt if they could not pay. If the babies died in the home, they would be charged a $20 burial fee, which was basically $5 for a shroud and $15 to the young's pockets. Uh, The babies would be buried in a white pine coffin, which uh, apparently was also one of the butter boxes that Lila would line with satin. So the ones that died in the home knowingly, I guess, got like a proper burial while other ones got like chucked in a box. That's terrible. (sighs) Yep. And I probably should preference this with while these numbers don't sound like a lot to most of us nowadays. Remember, inflation exists. Right. There's been many years. These prices would probably be drastically higher now. Oh, yeah. You can add a couple of zeros to every single one of those numbers. Yep. I don't I don't know today money math, but I know it's quite a bit. I didn't try I didn't do inflation stuff. Um if someone wants to do inflation stuff, that's all all power to them. I'm I'm not doing that nonsense. Yeah, no, quick quick Google search. Get M- money makes me sad. <laughs> um <Doesn't> it. <laughs> it makes me happy when I have it. it. Makes me sad thinking about trying to get it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, 
elaborate contracts were made and signed by the unwed mothers, giving William power of attorney and legal authority over the children and the adoption. If it was not signed within 14 days, they would be charged an additional $30 per day until they signed. And by the time they left, they would have bills over $300. And for comparison, there was a bit of a comparison for average wages at the time. It said that they would make four to eight dollars a week, which I don't know how accurate that is. They only made four dollars a week. Yeah, that's insane. So what, you're making like pennies a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I think there's, uh, if you play like Red Dead Redemption, mm-hmm. very very similar to the pay scale there. Like, so you would a box of ammo would be $20, but you would do three or four jobs to get that $20. Oh, I not play Red Dead Redemption, so I did not know that. Yeah, great I game. Know. I believe it. I just never got a chance to play it. Mm-hmm. The Youngs basically had a case of right time, right place with all this. Nova Scotia had draw- was known to draw a large amount of vacationers from New York and New Jersey at the time. Many who actually were childless Jewish couples who were frustrated with the long wait and processes back home. Youngs would willingly disregard an unbreakable rule, I guess, among like adoption agencies. Adoption agencies that were in America and Canada uh, where children Mm. would only be placed with families of the same religious background. The Youngs would tell the Jewish couples that they had Jewish babies at IMH, even though it was very unlikely. Uh, Because unless, honestly, the mother said what religion she was, there was really no way to know what religion these children were born into. Right. But truthfully and honestly, babies are not born into a religion. They're placed into a religion after birth. Right. I think they're more thinking of, like, the Jewish religion has the specific bloodline. Yeah, no, I know that. But Because this is all talking about religion. Now, right. tracing genetics, there's definitely no way to tell that. You would, There's so many tests, tests that would need to be done. I don't know if those tests even existed back then. Probably not. So to just say, like, a kid's Jewish would be the same as, like, if you had an Asian child and said, oh, this child is Japanese, and you have no idea if they're Japanese, Chinese, Indian, or whatever. Right. Some of the families, though, did know they were not getting Jewish babies. Some did not care because they were either comfortable enough with the fact that it was not a Jewish child or they were desperate enough for a child. Right. So I don't know how all that worked, but uh, there was actually a quote that I pulled and I forgot to pull the source. Crap. But there was a quote that says, Lila and William Young had no problem breaking that rule. You want a Jewish baby? Here's a Jewish baby. Ta-da, instant Jewish baby. You want twins? Here's twins. Instant twins. The adopting parents didn't ask many questions as they were normally desperate enough to take a baby or two to take home. So yeah, that's another thing that would happen is... I know before I said that they would separate twins. Right. There was also cases where they would, if a, par- a couple wanted two babies, they wanted twins, they would just take two babies that look similar and be like, here you go. Here's twins. We got twins. Even though they had twins that were being born. Right. They would just like willy nilly separate some of them. But other times they would just be like pairing two babies off and be like, yep, no, these are siblings. Even though the babies were not related at all. Oh my goodness. For many of the children who did end up being adopted, many did find good homes. Not all of them, but in, from I guess what they can tell, most of them did find a good home. But a lot of uh, these cases were not legal adoptions. So I don't know how much they could track where some of these babies went to know how many of them actually ended up in good homes and which ones ended up in probably shitty situations. The only upside to that is because they're not legal adoptions. They probably weren't getting government checks. Who? The people that... The youngs? No, no, no. The people that adopted illegally because sometimes people will adopt children to get government checks. Uh, I thought it was fostering. I thought there was something for adopting kids too. Uh, To my knowledge, I know there's like a stipend that people get for if you foster a child that's why a lot of uh shitty people end up in the foster um side of things they'll foster like 10 20 kids just to get that paycheck right and i know that's a lot harder now because there's a lot of regulations in order to foster kids yeah one of the things is you can't have any open containers so like chips um any snacks anything in your pantry it can't be mm-hmm. like open even if it's like rolled shut it can't be open it has to have a chip clip 
And you can't have anything in your house that's expired. I know so many people who would be screwed with that because so many people don't check their expiration dates. Yeah, go check your condiments and make sure they're not expired. Check your spices. Uh, go check your grandma's spices because I guarantee you grandma got some spices from back in the 70s. Spices expire. Everything expires. <laughs> Most of my spices I, don't care. I bought when I moved in, so they're probably fine. Most of, most likely. So, side note, tangent. A Best Buy, a Sell Buy, and an expiration date are different. If you have an expiration date, that date means that thing is no longer good or it is going to go bad or rancid within a few days. It could be days before, it could be days after. You have an expiration date, you get rid of it. Best Buy. Your products can normally last for a month or two afterwards. But most likely it is going to lose flavor, lose texture, lose any quality to it. You can get rid of it. Okay. Sell by. The sell by date is for the store. That means they want it out of the store by this date. You have a small shelf life of it afterwards. Okay. I treat that uh, sell by date as basically a, hey, I got this product. I'm going to use it within this week or month. And then that's it. Gotcha. So. I know there's a lot of fighting, like, oh, it's Best Buy. It's still good. It's still good. It's like, Best Buy means it's losing quality day, the, the, every second. Right. Once it's open, things start to go downhill, too. Like, if you have an unopened bottle of something in your cabinet that has a Best Buy date, oh, it was, like, a couple days ago, you could probably use it for something. Mm-hmm. But if it's an expiration date, get rid of it. Gotcha. And that's also anyway. for, like, bacteria and shit, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also, um, fun fact for people who don't know, if there are things in your freezer that have been there for months or years, get rid of them. Because even if you freeze it, even if you freeze it, it can still go bad. Mm. I hate fighting that with people Mm -hmm. where they're just like, oh, it's in the freezer. It's fine. No, it is not. The freezer just expands its shelf life a little bit. Yeah, You're not meant to have things live in your freezer. Your meats, if they are in there for more than a couple months, they are most likely no good. Right. If they are freezer burned, they are definitely no good. If your packaging has opened and they have been exposed to air, they are no good. <laughs> Pantry PSA. Food safety. Check your food. <laughs> food safety gets me really heated because <laughs> I went to school for that shit. Right. Uh, anyway, the home was generating ten th- tens of thousands of dollars per child. So the youngs were known... Uh, the Youngs basically knew there was a market. Couples demanded babies, and the women of Canada needed a place uh, to basically have those babies because at the time, abortion and birth control were illegal. Right. So, Calhill was quoted in her book for saying, those women who decided to bear and keep their children, uh, there was very little sympathy from the community. So... Most of the time, these women were having babies out of wedlock, and we all know back then there was a lot of um, religious folks out there who, if you even did the little bit of the diddle out of marriage, you were not a happy person because they would be shunning you. Mm -hmm. And yes, I said diddle. (laughs) (laughs) You can talk about dead babies, but we can't talk about fucking. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) (laughs) depending on the platform i mean we could talk about fucking but i just like saying diddle i gotcha it's a nice way to censor things it would be another 20 years from this incident before the government recognized the need for social programs for unmarried women but until then the youngs basically had offered what the women needed secrecy there were newspaper articles by the youngs what there was a newspaper article by the youngs that was used to lure women to um, to them. It said, Dame Gossip has sent many young lives to peroration after ruining them socially. Uh, that may have been seen bright. Uh, that might have been bright stars in society and a power in the world of usefulness has been shielded from the gossip when they made a mistake. I read that multiple times when I tried quoting it. And I could not find the actual, like, a picture of the article to see if this was typed right in the articles that I read. Okay. It makes no sense to me. I have no idea what the fuck that article, tr- that, that their little slogan was trying to say. 
basically society has shamed you, but we're giving you a place. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I, I get the meaning of it. I don't know what they were trying to say in words. <laughs> like, it makes Dame Gossip has been many lives. Like, I, the wording is just very off. I'm thinking someone typed something wrong. Possibly. Which is or very it's possible. just a, a poor translation. Words we don't use anymore. Maybe? I'll say they're Canadian. They speak English. Sometimes. They're not in the France also... part of Canada. They're not in the... I, well, they may be, but they, they were not speaking French. Like, right. nothing was translated from French. Okay. I don't know if they themselves were French-Canadian, but... So just old-timey talk. Maybe. Confusing. Or something was typed wrong. I don't know. Uh, anyway, shame taxes, tactics were basically used. They kept the women quiet, even when they witnessed infant neglect at the time when they were in the room, in the house... And they also witnessed horrible conditions in the delivery rooms. In 1933, the Young's lucrative business had gotten the attention of Nova Scotia's child welfare director and health minister, uh, who made them hire a registered nurse. So keep in mind that this place started in 1928. So for five years, they ran without any nurses or like any help. It was just Lila basically doing it all. Oh, God. Because um, William had no training in this stuff. He was basically just doing all the the legal crap. Basically, mm. he did the paperwork. Or lack but, thereof. Um, <laughs> I mean, he kept the place open somehow. So oh, he was handling oh, the money. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he handled the money, I gotcha. should say. So the Youngs in the home were under watch now, though. As rumors spread about baby deaths in the home, Dr. Frank Roy Davis of the Liberal Party and Public Health's portfolio, he kept a close why, close why, close watch, (laughs) kept a close watch, (laughs) kept a close watch during his 15 years in office watching the Youngs. March 4th of 1936, the Youngs were arraigned on two counts of manslaughter related to the death of Ava Nyforth and her baby. But as I stated before, they got out of that. But Dr. Davis ordered RCMP to investigate all the known deaths from the house. So it is known that babies were dying there. I don't know if at the time they knew how they were dying or just that they knew they were dying. Gotcha. So this began the year. Um, this began years of them being charged with fraud, being under investigation. Um, but since the young still had a strong support group, they managed. Uh, since they were presented well and had the public on their side, many well-off people liked using their discreet services, which is how they were basically kept um, in services and operated for 17 years unlicensed. 1940 rolled around and the Maternity Boarding Housing Act was amended, and this made William and Lila have to apply for a license, but they were turned down. 1917... 1917? November 17th of 1945, there were many investigations into the ideal maternity home uh, that basically ordered it to close. The investigations have found a few things, which I did list. It said the youngs had lied to many of the mothers who were expecting to leave the home with a child. Uh, They were basically lied to and told that their baby had died. Either... Uh, well, I shouldn't say either in this case. They basically were telling these mothers who were actually planning on leaving with the baby that, oh, no, your child had died because they had planned to profit off this child. They were going to put it up for an illegal adoption. Great. So most likely any of the these mothers probably didn't have to deal with the um, the unadoptables being killed because most likely if the youngs didn't see a profitable income from the baby, they were like, oh, yeah, now take it. But for the ones that were left behind is probably the ones that were the ones that were killed. Right. So the, the unadoptable babies basically were anyone who were sick, handicapped, unattractive, deformed, or basically a baby that was just not white enough. They would be put to death. And as I said before, they were fed molasses in water until the bodies would grow so weak and sick that they died. The home, as in the IMH... That house, that home, had a mortality rate of 8.1. For comparison, Nova Scotia as a whole at that time had 3.1 as a mortality rate for infants. So it was almost double. Or was double. More than doubled. It's almost tripled. Yeah. 
So, um, during these findings, there was reported deaths. Uh, the unreported were not learned about until many years after the home had closed. A handyman at the time, Glenn Shatford, broke the silence many years afterwards and said he personally buried between 100 and 125 babies in the field owned by Lila's parents. The bodies would be held in a tool shed until they obtained the butter boxes which the babies were buried in. The rest went unaccounted for because they were either tossed to sea or burned in the furnace of the home. Now, there was a little bit more gore, but, like, this was all unaccounted. We don't have a number. Right. Lila would be the ones who decided which babies would basically be put up to sacrifice in bane of cost-cutting for the uh, Young's bank account. Even though, really, where's the cost-cutting? Because you're still charging mom's fees for babysitting when you have no baby. Right. Uh, uh, many of the biological women, when they inquired the status of the baby to see if they were adopted, the Youngs would tell them that they were adopted. Uh, because most, although most of the mothers did not care because they just left the home and resumed their normal lives. Inspectors found almost a decade after the manslaughter charges that the evidence of neglect, the horrible conditions, swarming flies, filthy bedding, and some of the babies weighing half of what they should weigh. Oh, they actually did find some of the babies' bodies. But there was, um, because of the time between finding said bodies and time of death, there was no way to tell what actually killed them. Right. But we can probably assume of the three listed ways above it, well, not the one, because obviously if they found the baby, it wasn't thrown to the water, but it was most likely one of the furnace babies or one of the molasses babies. Gotcha. Despite the closure... Closure demands the young still operated in advertising lovely babies for adoption. Dr. David continued his battle against IMH. He even worked to uh, track down the adoptions, which led to New Jersey officials actually coming in and coming to his aid. Hey. Because they were also trying to shut down the illegal adoptions. New Jersey newspapers were reported that fall, so whatever year the heck I was in, 1936. Um, that fall... New Jersey newspapers had basically written a report of the smuggling scheme that was revealed uh, that Canada and American officials were keeping a lookout on unauthorized movement between adopted babies. This led young the Youngs to try and convince many of the mothers to travel to the U.S. to give birth for these adoptions. So I guess they were still like closed adoption type things, but they would try and like lure them to U.S. give birth and they would probably do black market shit down there down here <sighs> charges were issued court dates come and went fine stacked up the youngs finally announced that they were cl closing the imh and then they would open a hotel instead uh this was about the time that the art montreal article i talked about a while ago that 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 came out which basically put the youngs in a bad light in both canadian and american eyes the Youngs did try and fight and failed it is actually very hard to win a defamation case when you have proof against your shitty behavior right are you playing with something i was holding my water Ugh, your straw is very loud i wanted to finish my sentence before i took a zip and i was like yes i'm prepared in the end all the court cases that were in 1946 where they were convicted of illegally selling babies to at least four american couples they were charged a total of 428 dollars and 90 cents for their crimes that's all they got. That doesn't seem and like enough. some lovely person actually did math for me in their article and pointed out that since they charged $10,000 per baby, that was still a profit of $39,000. Trials basically had ruined their reputation and they did suffer financially. They had to shut down the home. They went bankrupt and they fled as penniless as they started. Good. Two out of five of their own children actually moved to Sudbury, Ontario. One to the U.S. and two stayed in Nova Scotia. The home, which the I the big home that the IMH had run out of, actually was destroyed in a fire in 1962. This was long after it was closed. William Young died of cancer before Christmas in 1962. And then Lila died at the age of 70 in 1967 of leukemia. Uh, someone pointed out that, ironically, her body is buried in a cemetery that is adjacent to the property where the Butterbox babies are buried. I hope she's haunted by all of those babies. I think that was the premise of the um, movie. Oh, good. 
where the mother who died there and the, all the babies were haunting the... But uh, that is basically the whole thing. Also, did you know Murderpedia is a thing? Yeah. I did not. Yeah, there's a whole encyclopedia website that documents, like, the... That's where I found some things. Yeah, it's the, like, the police files, the... All the articles mm-hmm. in one spot. Yeah, so, so why you I don't have Murder- to sit there Googling horrible things. Yeah, so it, it came in handy because I used Murderpedia, a little Wikipedia for, like, a little bit of information on the home, and then the Canadian... Um, Article? Documentary. Yeah. No, Canadian Children's Right Council. Gotcha. The, the link for it's... Uh, clo- what's it called? Abbreviated the CRC for the, the end part of that. So I was like, I don't know what that means. But um, I use those as sources. Canadian Children's Rights Council. Gotcha. I was going to make up the, a the, the article I used to get like the brief synopsis of everything. And then I, I think I used Murderpedia for a lot of the nitty gritty stuff. Gotcha. Which there were a lot more articles that I didn't even read. But I also didn't want to keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again more than I already did. Right. Yeah, and no, I ran into that as well where different people... The, the rundown of Pee-wee's life was basically the same every time, but the, each mm-hmm. people, each person's article that I read had highlights on different things or, like, more information on different things. Yeah, so that's basically what I did. Is I got the base thing, and then I as I was reading things, I was like, oh, this applies here, this applies there, mm-hmm. which is why I kind of was a little jumpy with things, because some things, like, repeated in different ways. Yeah. That's why we don't claim to be professionals. Yeah. But yeah, so that that was the butter box babies. And also why we need to stop procrastinating, mainly me. Well, no, we both do it. I did my research. Yeah, but you ha- you're busy most of the two time. Two days ago. So did I. Well, I did mine last night. I also just finally folded my clothes from Sunday today. I still have clothes to fold. My problem is after I finish my day job, all I want to do is lay down and read mm-hmm. or play a video game. But then no one goes online, so I just sit here and stare at TikTok. Yeah. Which is Luckily, good. I haven't. I So I, I deleted TikTok from like easy access po- spots on my phone. Mm. So I have the that little like side window and then I took it off my home screen. Um, okay. It's made it a lot easier to not go on it constantly. And then I also only check messages at night. Ah. Well, I've, I've gotten to the habit, like, I don't sit on it constantly. It's just, like, I'll be bored and it's like, okay, I'm waiting. But I get distracted from my book and I was like, okay, what can I do? And I was like, oh, well, you know what? Let me see if anyone's replied to any, like, if anyone sent me any TikToks. So I'll go on there, check it real quick. And then I just end up on, like on a stream of like, oh, this person finally posted the continuation of this little those POV series things. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I get into some of those, and I'm just like, I want to know what happens next. And then the yeah. reply would be there, so then I'm just sitting there watching that. What is on the TV <laughs> behind you? Penguin. Oh, it's um I th- Aquanauts. Oh, I thought it was Pokemon for a second. I was like, what Pokemon is that? It looks like the penguin, but it's... it looks like Pipla. Yeah, but it's. So I was like, "That's is that?" I was like, "Is that Pipla?" And I was like, "Nah, it doesn't look right." And then something else popped up on the screen. I was like, "That's definitely not a Pokemon." And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, it's um, you know, it's called Aquanaut. I was paying attention to Bluey before because I saw Bluey <laughs> was still on. Yeah, it's just muted. Although it's, she's tell. been quiet, so she might be sleeping. Ah. But yeah, those were some horrifying stories apologies if you didn't get to listen we'll get better in time (laughs) apologies if you didn't get to listen to this one because they were on the darker side of things yeah but But, um but yeah we'll get better um we still want to hear your stories if any of you have some crazy stories hell tell us your grandparents crazy stories we can tell us your parents crazy stories anyone seen a ufo anyone seen a ghost i want to know yeah, like experience stories. They don't have to be like well detailed stories. They could even be like look like you. They don't even have to be true. Like you want to make up a story you want us to read, go for it. Just Break preface that it's not true. Now let us guess. <laughs> <laughs> My guess am is I the none asshole of them type Reddit. <laughs> Do uh, am I the asshole style? <laughs> we'll be like, okay, this sounds 
Like, hocus pocus. This ain't real. Right. Catter kid, catter kid. Ah, yes. So to wrap things up, we thought of, uh, I, I know I have one catter kid. Um, basically, are, are you sleeping or are you dead? Do you want to eat? Are you hungry? Why are you so pissy today? Why won't you eat your food? <laughs> eat the food. Which I've been saying to my cats more because my cats are annoying where sometimes they just, they, they don't want certain foods. So I, I've been getting the pâtés a lot lately, okay. which they used to hate. They used to hate them. They never touched them. And then um, I accidentally got a few and they start eating them. And I was like, this is great. But I also noticed if I add water to them, it helps Eddie with his digestion where he's not throwing up as much. Oh, good. So I... Well, I'll smash the pate up, add water, and mix it up and make them like a little soup. Okay. So, uh, but like, I don't know. The past like week or two, I feel like they've just been eating them less and less. Hmm. And I'm just like, you guys, guys got to eat your soup. Are they getting? Your food's not cheap. <laughs> Is it a, a, they're just getting bored of them? I hope not. Because I really don't want to go back to the chunky ones because the chunky ones make him throw up. Oh, gotcha. And I can't give one one kind of food and the other one not. I mean, in time, they end up eating it. Because what would happen in the past was Eddie would go, like, if I gave him, like, the chunks with the gravy, Eddie would go and lick it clean and then walk away. And yeah, then go yeah. eat dry food. He'd be fine with just that. And then Lady would eat it all. But I need Lady to stop eating his food because she's getting chunky. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people out there that like a chunky cat. I don't want to have an overweight cat. Because right. that causes health problems. And I don't want my cats to have health problems. Because vets are not cheap. No. Much like children. Yeah. So why do I need... I don't need children. I got two cats that are like toddlers. There you go. One more so than the other. <clears throat> send us your stories. You can send it to creepycutiespod at gmail.com. Check us out on the socials. We have Twitter, which is not very active. But I can try to do better. Instagram, which we post our weekly updates, or not weekly, but bi-weekly updates when we post an episode, because at one point I will get into the habit of either saying bi-weekly or we'll finally get to the point of doing this weekly. <laughs> but that won't be for a while. No, we'll probably have to record two at a time if we do weekly. And that would have to be done on the weekend. Yeah, because it's already 10 o'clock. 10. Yeah, it's <laughs> past 10. I gotta go to bed. And uh, I got a day job. And you have a very unset schedule. Yeah, I just work constantly. We we squeeze them in when we can. Mm -hmm. At one point, we tr want to try and get some backload. But we're trying. Eventually. But that in takes time. extra time. effort in getting extra stories because we don't just want to pump out nonsense. Yeah. Unless you people want to send us some stories, like our fun stories, we can always throw a couple of those in. Maybe like once a month we do like a listener story type thing. Yeah. Or every other week. Or every other episode. Dang it. I'll get this at some point. I'll say once a month is basically one of the episodes in a month. Because we only get like two episodes. Unless we get like an odd. Actually, have we ever done three in one month? Uh, Depending on how it lined up, we might have. Anyway. Goodbye. Have a good night. Good day. Whenever you decide to listen. I do. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our tales. We hope to have satisfied that creepy itch. Follow us on your favorite podcast app and look out for us on socials at creepycutiespod. No spaces. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just look for the voodoos. Farewell. Goodbye. I love creepy. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs>